Hi guys, it's Jamie Calabrese with Light at the End. Today we are going to talk about different ways we can show up for the people we love. Not only those who are passing on, but also for those that might be in the midst of losing someone close to them or going through difficult times. I talked to a woman recently who survived cancer and said that many of her friends avoided her when she was sick. She was upset at the time, but as she reflects now, she understands that they were uncomfortable and scared. They didn't know how to be with her or what to say, so they stayed away. This is not uncommon, and if you've been there or are finding yourself there now, you are not alone. I've been there myself. We are human. These conversations are hard. So I want to give you some ideas to consider for how to offer your love and support. Today, my dear friend Jen Hayes is joining me for this conversation. Jen is brilliant and beautiful, and while she has a prestigious career, that is not why I invited her. We are talking today because she has real life experience to share, as she recently lost her father. Jen was held and supported in meaningful ways by loved ones that helped and continue to help her through this difficult time. Her dad was supported, and also her mom, who after many years of marriage, found herself alone. Jen is going to share some of the most profound ways in which people showed up for her and her family. I am so thankful to have Jen in my life. She is the friend that is a rare, great listener. She is fun and compassionate. When she speaks, it's with kindness and insight. I know you're going to love being with Jen as much as I do. So here we go. Hi, Jen. Hi, Jamie. I'm so glad you're here. I am so glad to be here. I really appreciate you coming and being willing to open up and share with us about something that's very personal. Being able to connect with people that have real life experience is very meaningful. So thank you for your willingness to share. Yeah, thanks for having me. Before we get into the part of the conversation today. The first thing I would like to do is just pause for a second and honor your father since he is the inspiration for this conversation. If you want to tell us a little bit about him and some guidance that he gave you that you think everyone should know and could learn from. Yeah, definitely. So my dad, his name is Greg and He grew up without a lot of money and grew up in Kentucky. He had a bunch of siblings and his dad died when he was in middle school. And my dad was a really sharp guy. His whole family was, but they just didn't have a lot of money. So there was a lot of value that his dad and his mom placed in regards to education, giving everything your best, trying really hard. And my dad really had that expectation for my brother and I growing up. He had this saying that people can take everything away from you, but your education. Mm -hmm. And he just really believed in the value of it. And he knew whether it was sports or school or job, he knew what we were capable of. And he had very clear expectations for us. And if we didn't meet it, we were going to hear about it. (laughs) And so... 
I'll never forget. I'll give a little anecdote. I babysat when I was in high school. I had a bunch of sport commitments and there was just this one time I totally forgot that I was supposed to babysit. And this mom called me and was like frantic and said, I'll try to get over there quickly. She's like, no, it's fine. The night's kind of done at this point. And of course I was upset. And my dad was like, you're, you're better than this. You got to learn from it. And so I think just overall, the value of education, the value of working hard, having grit, being independent, being responsible for your stuff is really something to be valued. And I try to pass on to my kids now at this point as well. I love that. I think that's really important. And obviously, he didn't just have the expectation, but he also modeled that for you. Mm -hmm. People can set an expectation, but if you don't, respect them or love the way that they are guiding you that may not be met. And so he obviously was doing all the right things to make sure sure that you did move in that direction. That's really cool. Thank you. Yeah. We can move right into the reason that I asked you to come today. And that is when you think of support, What stands out as particularly meaningful or helpful as you were navigating this time with your father? And I know there are many pieces to that. So whatever you feel comfortable sharing, we would love to hear. Yeah. So my dad was in his mid seventies when he passed. He had Parkinson's and it had been going on for a while. And along with Parkinson's, he had a bunch of other health complications. So To be honest, we had been on a journey for a while where he had declining health. He just wasn't the same person in a lot of ways that he had been. And so I think for us, we had time to kind of grieve and mourn over the course of 10 years. My dad, as I mentioned, has a lot of siblings, comes from a big family, has an amazing group of friends that he's had since childhood. And And so I think we were kind of all going through that process together. One of the things that I think was really helpful through that is just everyone staying really connected and sort of had a role and a part to play and like being really present in my dad's life as he was going through the sickness. And that even then translated to when he passed the funeral and the logistics and everything after. And so he had... His group of friends is just, I mean, they're hysterical. These guys have known each other since they were little. They give each other so much shit and so much grief. They tell stories of the old days. They, they just have a great time. I think it's hard to see people degrade and their health decline. And I know sometimes it's easier to just kind of back away, let the person have space, or you don't know what to do. But his friends and his siblings really kind of modeled like how to show up for someone and how to be there. So his friends would be taking him out to ball games. They would sit him in the golf cart and he'd just ride around while they were all playing golf. So they made adjustments as well along the way as he wasn't able to participate in some of the activities that they had always done. And then his siblings, they had a schedule. There's six of them and they divided and conquered. Who was going to pick up Greg that week and what activity were they going to do? And They had this whole like rotating schedule of just being there with him, spending time with him and being present. And it didn't matter if they were going to spend a three-hour lunch or it was just swinging by for 20 minutes to watch a Bengals game or whatever it was. But I think 
it was just amazing. I mean, my dad is a beloved guy, so it wasn't surprising, but it was really amazing to see how this community of friends and family just really rallied and was there for him. I live remotely away from my parents, so I'm in Boulder, Colorado, and, and they live in Cincinnati where I grew up, and my brother was there with his family. And so I think for me, it was great to also know that like not being physically there day in and day out, you had this kind of crew of people that were consistently showing up and spending quality time with him. That is really awesome. And I think it's so beautiful that the friends made a point to include him and treat him the way that he was and not the way that he was becoming. Mm -hmm. So that's a big piece that I'd like to pull out is just if someone is not well to not look at them as the sick person Mm -hmm. and to try to include them in that way instead of just assuming that they're not up for it or Mm -hmm. that they can't come along and like you said to make accommodations so that they can I think that's really powerful yeah I mean Look, I've been through moments of losing other people or having friends lose other people. And I will say that I have not always been the most present person. So I'm afraid of what am I going to say or how are they dealing with things? And sometimes it's easier to just not engage and not lean in. I think I may have told you this at one point. My best friend from home growing up, she lost her dad. Gosh, this is probably 10 or 15 years ago at this point. And I was a horrible friend. I had no idea what to do. And I think back on that. And there's so many things that I would have done differently. And I will say that during the time where my dad was sick, where I was able to visit, and then the funeral and and the whole lead up to that and after, she was just so there for me and so present. And it is hard and it is awkward sometimes. And you don't always know what to say. What I loved about his friends in particular is like, They weren't going to let it hold them back. They may not always say the right thing. They may tease him a little bit too much one time, but I think they just leaned into it and they weren't afraid. They were fearless and they loved him. It didn't matter. They just wanted to spend time. And so I think seeing that made me think back on like, what have I done and how would I do it differently? And who knows if I'll get it right moving forward, but it was definitely sort of a defining moment for me and really thinking about how to handle these situations and how to be there for someone. Absolutely. I mean, I feel the same way. I shared with you that I've had those moments too, where because I didn't know what to do, I just, I didn't do anything. And, and also feel the same, like if I could go back in time and do something differently. And I think part of that is life experience. When you're on the other side of it and you have someone show up for you, then you see how meaningful that is and you see the ways that can be done. I don't think you should beat yourself up because you're certainly not alone. And I also think that there are so many different ways that you can show up if you feel like you have the emotional capacity and if you are very close to the person, then I love really leaning in, like you mentioned. But maybe you don't. Maybe you have a bunch of stuff going on in your own life and it's just overwhelming and you can't do that. So there are other ways that you can still show up and support, that you can still make someone feel loved, even if it's not picking them up or going and sitting with them. So whenever Allison passed away, 
one of the things that was really simple and meaningful was our friend Courtney showed up and wanted to take me on a walk. We have never walked together before or since. <laughs> it's not something we do. We usually meet up for dinner and have a glass of wine. <laughs> but she was like, I'm coming over and I'm taking you on a walk. And I was like, okay. And I put on my tennis shoes and we went out together and she was just like, I want to hear about your friend. I want you to talk to me about how you feel if you want to, or we can just walk. And it was really thoughtful. And it was like an hour of our time together. But it's something that I will remember really impacting me during that time. And so I don't know if there's something like that, that your friend, you said she showed up for you when you were going through this, some ways that you might want to share. Yeah. First of all, I mean, gosh, I love Courtney. I think that's amazing that she did that. And you're already making me think because I have a few coworkers that are going through really challenging situations with family members. I honestly, I think I may use that. So that's brilliant. Yeah, my friend Lauren, we've been best friends since fifth grade. We know each other's families inside and out, both sleepovers and vacations together. She's kind of like a sister. And and so she knows me really well. She knows the family really well. I think especially at the point of the funeral, there was a whole series of days, right, leading up to it with planning. And then my dad, as I mentioned, just has this huge network of people that love him. And so she knew things were going to be busy. She knew we had a lot on our plate. And she just kept showing up with food and recommendations. She, you know, things to do. She was always a text away. If I, we had a question on something because she had gone through this with her dad. And one of the things I really remember is I have two younger kids and there were other kids in the mix as well, grandchildren. And she sort of identified that they just needed some love and attention and time and they needed to feel special because they were also grieving mm-hmm. and we were also busy with the logistics of everything. And every time she'd swing by and drop something off or I would see them, she just really got down on their level and gave them so much support and love and attention and made them feel special and made them feel like they had a place in all of this because they didn't know what to expect. They didn't know what is a funeral. And she just enveloped them like with hugs and love and I mean, it was amazing. I was so busy at the time. I just wasn't exactly thinking about my kids every single second and what I needed to do to support them. And she just scooted right in and had a sense for it and knew what to do. And I thought that was just absolutely brilliant. That is. That is brilliant. And that's huge. And you're in the thick of it. You have your own emotions you're navigating. You're trying to be helpful to your mom. And of course, they are not going to get your full attention. And so I love that one. I think if you have a friend that has children, something that would be a huge help is to stop by and give them love or offer to take them to lunch while other things are getting done or just, like you said, just giving them some extra support and love. I'd say one other thing that Lauren did is My mom 
she had a very strong sense of what she wanted my dad's funeral to be like. He was this beloved guy. He has a huge family. My mom has a huge family. He's got this whole community of coworkers and other people. And she really wanted this to be a celebration of life, not sort of a grieving and mourning. And I, I think that's because he had been going through this for so long that we had all had time to kind of process and sort of understand where things were going. But my mom was a little nervous about it. It's not necessarily a traditional way of approaching a funeral. It's a celebration of life. She wasn't sure how everyone was going to feel about it, his family and, and friends. And Lauren, you have to meet her at some point. I mean, she is just a true character. And, and she really lives by kind of a personal code of doing what makes sense for her, not what society expects. And my mom was mentioning something and Lauren was over and she's like, Mimi, do you? you do you, how you want to honor Greg, what's going to work, what's going to make sense for him and for the family. And don't worry about it. Just you do you. And again, like just Lauren is brilliantly scooting in and knowing exactly what to say and what to do because she knows us all so well. My mom was probably already on that path as well, but just having the advice and someone who's listening and kind of understanding and like helping reinforce whatever decisions you're making around the end of life or someone's funeral, I don't know if there's really like a right way to do things or a wrong way to do things. And so like really understanding what's authentic, what's going to be meaningful. And I will say that we had the funeral in the funeral home, sort of the, the traditional piece of it. And then my mom hosted a big luncheon afterwards at a restaurant and we had a microphone and we told stories of my dad. We passed it around the whole room. I mean, we were laughing. We had numerous toasts to him. Yes. The, the drinks were flowing. And it was the most beautiful way to celebrate my dad. The place was packed. There were so many people. There weren't even enough chairs. And it was absolutely the right call. And so, again, Lauren, just kind of knowing, like, what do we need to hear? What advice? What reassurance? And there isn't a right or a wrong way to do things. So I think that was another big learning from me. And I guess advice I would pass along to others is really thinking about what's going to honor the person that that's going through this in the family and being fearless and not feeling like you have to do something a certain way. I love that. Just reassuring when someone is yeah. going with their gut and with what feels like the right thing. Like you said, it feels good to be validated, especially when you have so many emotions. Is this okay? Is this right? The answer is yes. If that is what you're feeling, the answer is yes. Absolutely. I think too, throughout all of this, my mom was stressed and she was going through her own set of emotions and she wasn't always the most like put together through everything. And she may have snapped once or twice at people and just was getting overwhelmed. And I think the other thing that was really great to see is no one was kind of sweating the small stuff and no one was judging. Mm -hmm. It was like this, you're going through a lot. It's okay. You're not going to be perfect. You don't have to cry. You don't have to be stoic. You don't have to do things a certain way. If you're a little frazzled from time to time and like you're snapping, like we know it's not you. It's not how you feel about me. It's just, it's a situation that you're in and it's all a lot of that going on. Again, my dad 
there's a lot of expectations, a lot of people that we had to kind of coordinate in logistics and all of this. And there was no pressure. There was no judgment. And it was amazing. And I sort of like would expect that from that crew. But I think in stressful times, you just never know how people are going to show up as they're grieving. And that was really nice to see as well. Just no judgment, no pressure. Like yes. We're just all here to be together. I think that's so important to point out because you're not the first one that has brought this up, that grief looks so different for everyone and it does bring up so many emotions and the ones closest to the person that is passing, they are going to have all kinds of things come up. And so to remember if you are there truly to offer love and support, that there is no judgment that you can't take things personally and whatever's coming up for them is not a reflection on how they feel about you. Just kind of take a step back, think about that before you go in. So there are no expectations for what you're going to get out of this, that it's truly 100% to be there for the person and whatever that looks like for them. It's incredible that your dad had such a beautiful group of friends and so many siblings that were close. These times can be really stressful because of the emotions coming out differently for people, especially when you're close, like you would be with a sibling. Sometimes things can get a little bit ugly. And the fact that he had many siblings and they all worked together and they set a schedule and they did all these things is really amazing. And I wish that for everybody, really. I do too. Even like his siblings, they all had a job, right, with the funeral logistics. And I don't even know how we figured that out or got to it. But what was like his older sister, Marsha, she's always kind of been the glue of the family. And so she was kind of the organizer and the logistics. And we would sort of come up with a plan and time and place. And then she would just make sure everyone got the message, right? Mm -hmm. And then Aunt Janet is an amazing baker and she's creative. And she was the one that was like, I'm going to make picture boards. So during the funeral, everyone can walk around and there's all these boards of pictures of Greg throughout his life Mm -hmm. with all of his friends and loved ones. And so she rallied a whole crew of people that can contribute pictures and the list goes on and on. It was like everyone sort of had a job and everyone just sort of knew what to do. I know every family doesn't work that way, but I think it was just incredible to see, again, how people really leaned in and and rallied and wanted to be helpful and be involved. And again, like I, I know I'm so lucky to be surrounded by that kind of environment and it's not always going to be that way for everyone. But I think a takeaway for me is like, how can I be useful? How can I be helpful for people Mm -hmm. and show up for them? Whether it's making the picture board, whether it's going for a walk, like, what is it? Like, how do you just be present? So I don't have all the right answers, of course, but I think I feel like I'm much better prepared now for the next time this happens and just. Yeah, I mean, I think there were a couple of really great things that have come up. And one of those is the, like, what are your special gifts? And so. If you are a creative person, maybe you do offer that. Like, I'll take the photos and put something together. Or I'll make the slideshow. I know you said that the list goes on of other kind of jobs 
that yeah. people took on that might be something someone could offer their services? Yeah, I think it's a great question. There were so many people. <laughs> yeah. There were so many things going on. I know I couldn't handle talking in front of the crowd. There was just, there was no way I was going to be able to do that. And that was my brother. He's mm-hmm. very eloquent and well-spoken and can get up in front of a big crowd. And he was like, I got it. I'm on it. Did a brilliant job and totally held it together. Not that you have to, but we just knew like Jen, Jen is not going to be that person. And like, that is Chris's role. Even if you weren't necessarily going to be someone speaking, maybe you are a brilliant writer. You could offer to edit or to sit down with them because that is a big job. And some people are great and natural at it. And some people could maybe use some help in putting their thoughts and feelings together. Yeah. I mean, look, Jamie, there's so many logistics and so many things to figure out leading up to during and after. And I will say that I do just feel like everyone had a role, like even thinking my husband, he's a lawyer and my mom had a lot of questions about what do I do now with X, Y, and Z with finances and legal. And there's all these things to figure out after. And while he's not an expert in this space, it was like he slid right in and gave what advice he could. And there were also friends who wanted to make sure that my mom kept a little busy and had things to do after as well. And they organized dinners and things. My mom and I took off. We went on a family vacation with some of her extended family right after, which was great. We sort of knew that time. But the second she got back, the dinners and the invites came rolling in for my mom. I never thought about it like that. I think it's a great way of putting it. Like, what are the talents that you have and where can you where can you be helpful? Because there is so much to think about mm-hmm. at all the stages of it. You bring up a great point about after everything yeah. settles too. Mm-hmm. If maybe you haven't reached out or you haven't felt like you knew the right thing to say at the lead up or at the funeral, there's always after. Yes. It's not like it just ends. The grieving process continues. And in fact, after all of that busyness has stopped and there are so many people around you and there are so many logistics to work through to keep your mind off of what's actually happening in your heart, that once you calm down, it might be a time when you need people the most. And so to not feel like you've missed the window, that you can still show up and that you can say, I'm going to take you on a walk or I want to take you to dinner Or can we have a cup of tea together? If you, again, don't have the emotional capacity to go and have the dinner and to listen and share in the grief, you can bring dinner or have it delivered with a beautiful note. And all of those gestures are meaningful. No, absolutely. Yeah, it's, I mean, just as everyone sort of rallied around my dad, people really rallied around my mom as well. I think that's something else to think about is for couples that have been married for a long time that are used to this being a couple, you're alone now. And what does that look like? And what is your new life? And again, it can be a awkward or weird situation to kind of lean into and figure out. But I mean, my mom's just been surrounded by people that are like, how are you doing? Where are you at? Do you still want to live in this house? Mm -hmm. Do you think you're out and about enough? 
let's start scheduling some things. What do you want to do? Do you want to travel? Do you want to go back to work? Do you want to pick up a hobby? And people that just love her and want to be there for her and are letting her be her, but also kind of giving the gentle nudges and letting her open up about like, what does she want life moving forward to be like? Yeah. But then also talking about my dad too and continuing to tell the fun stories and say I'm far from perfect in any of this, but I've been seeing how everyone has also just continued to support my mom and it's been amazing. And I hope I can take some of that as well. I know you do. And I know she has come (laughs) and spent time with you guys and that that is definitely lifting her up. People that are listening to this, a lot of us have aging parents and it's something that we're thinking about Mm -hmm. and think about when one of them is alone, how will you comfort and support that person? If you want to talk a little bit more about that, I love to hear that as well. Oh, gosh. I mean, I don't know. I can tell you what I've done for my mom. I don't know if there's like a a right way or a wrong way to help people. But I think for me, again, I don't live in the same place as, as my parents. So I call my mom pretty regularly and just check in with her. And again, like just being present, being there, I think has been good for me and and good for her. And sometimes we're talking about things of absolutely no consequence. And sometimes we're going deep on Mm -hmm. like how she's dealing with living alone and how long she wants to stay in the house and what are her plans. I also talk with my brother and my aunt and her siblings and we're kind of all checking in on each other as well. How do you think Mimi's doing? Are there things that we can do to support her? Here's what I'm planning on doing. What are what are you planning on doing kind of thing? So I think just staying really tightly connected has worked for us. And then something I did was I wanted to spend time with my mom. Like I knew just again from talking with my friend Lauren, her mom had gone through this as well, that it's a big shift in someone's life, of course. And it's kind of living a new reality day to day. And I know there's sort of the advice of like, it takes a year. Like it really takes a year to really settle after a spouse has died and like kind of figure out what your new normal is. I just, I wanted to spend time with her. We had spent time right after the funeral together and that was good. I think for her to get away and I had a business trip coming up and said, Hey mom, do you want to come with me? It was in Switzerland and amazing location. Like, why don't we tack on a few days and just spend time together and get you out and traveling because I knew travel was something that she had really wanted to do. It's actually something my dad and her wanted to do, but he got sick right after he retired and they just were never able to, to make that a reality. And so we went and it was great. And I mean, she wasn't her ordinary self, if there even is an ordinary, like it was clear she was, of course, still going through the grieving process, as was I. But I, I think it was just good to spend that time and like give her the space and just be together and again talk about things of absolutely no consequence and then also talk about kind of what's next for her and what she's thinking and how I can support her and be a cheerleader. So, you know, everyone obviously isn't going to be able to have the opportunity to go to Switzerland and like bring their mom along on a trip, but I think it's just it's spending the time, right? And leaning in and just listening and asking questions and 
I mean, there's times where like she doesn't want to talk about it, and of course that's fine. But I think it's good for her to know that we support her in whatever choices she wants to make moving forward, and we also know that she doesn't have all the answers. She doesn't necessarily know what she wants to do, and it's just kind of day by day. That's so wonderful that you guys were able to do that together. And I wonder if it it doesn't have to be a trip to Switzerland, but I wonder if there is something about shaking up the environment, getting her out of the house and being able to have some fresh air and a fresh view. And then there's something about this dance of going between checking in and making sure that she's okay as a grieving person, but then also not being seen in that way, just like we talked about circling back to the beginning, not just being seen as a sick person, not just being seen as a grieving person. What else do you want to talk about? And what else do you want to do to just feel normal? At my dad's funeral, one of his friends, I forget who it was, but he came up to me and said, you know what, Jim, your dad worked really hard his whole life. He loved you all a ton. And he had big plans when he retired. He was going to travel and he was going to do this and that. And then the second he retired, he got sick. And he said, do not make the same mistake. Live your life. Do what you want to do. Do not wait until some distant time in the future because you just never know what life is going to bring. And that really, really stuck with me. And course it's amazing advice and I think with the pandemic people are kind of feeling that even more so now like you just never know what's going to happen and I'm so glad I took my mom with me and we extended this trip because it's something she's wanted to do and they both wanted to do Mm -hmm. and I think she needed a little kickstart as well to be honest I had a sense of what sort of her dreams and hopes were and what she wanted to do with the rest of her life but I knew she kind of needed a bit of a kickstart And sure enough, we were talking today and she's already starting to think about other trips and planning things with friends and and has a few, a few things in the hopper. And it's, I think it's of course, great advice from my dad's friend, but I think also something that people can do to support those that are left behind and, you know, going through the process is helping them kind of re-kickstart when they're ready. Like their life and what they want to do and, and figuring out what life after kind of looks like. So mm-hmm. yeah. and letting them know that that's okay too, right? Yeah. You can live and you should live your life fully because there is nothing like going through loss to remind us of how fragile and precious this life is. I feel like the way that you guys have cared for your mom is such a beautiful way to honor your dad too. I really feel like he is present and that he can be at peace knowing Mm -hmm. that you guys are loving each other and supporting each other. And so I just want to say I appreciate that about you guys. I think that's (laughs) really, really beautiful. Yeah. I mean, my kids, they... We talk about Papa all the time, and I I know he would be happy and proud of like how everything has sort of unfolded. And he lived a really good life. He had a full life. It was horrible, 
like the just watching him go through kind of this health degradation and as weird as it may sound like I think it was time for him and I think he was kind of ready so he didn't end up dying from Parkinson's he had a sudden heart attack I think it was kind of the best scenario that could have happened it was time for him and I think he was kind of at peace with that and a lot of us were as well we talk about this all the time with my kids and I don't know if you've heard of the the belief that a lot of people feel like people after they die are reincarnated as cardinals like a cardinal is a symbol Mm -hmm. of a loved one who has died but I will tell you Jamie we saw so many cardinals all over the place after he died and we shared this with our kids and every time they see a cardinal it's papa and we talk about him and how he's looking down on them and of course, my wonderfully thoughtful friend Lauren sent us a Christmas ornament that was a cardinal mm, um, in honor of him. And the kids just absolutely cherish it and, and know that whole story. So, yeah, I think he would be proud and happy of how I sort of worked through it after and helped my mom and all really kind of stuck together. I feel like this is a really good place to stop and close I do want to point out that last little piece that you mentioned with Lauren yeah that ornament that is a small gesture but so beautiful and so impactful it doesn't have to be a big job that you're offering up it can be a small beautiful gesture to let someone know that they are loved and that you see them in this time in their life. Is there anything else you would like to share before we say goodbye? No, I mean, I just wanted to say thank you for having me and listening to the story, and hopefully some of what I've learned along the way will be helpful for others. My heart goes out to everyone that's going through this situation, and I do think just being yourself and being there and being present is enough. I think that is beautifully said. Thank you so much for being here. And I do think that people will take away some really great ideas from this. When you're in it, sometimes the smallest things aren't obvious. And so to have a reminder of what is important, I think is really, really helpful. Thank you so much. Thanks, Jamie. I just love Jen. She is such an incredible person and friend, and after hearing about her family dynamics, it's no wonder. There were a lot of big takeaways from today's conversation. Some of them are to treat the dying person as they were, include them in normal activities as best you can, even if that means popping by to watch a few minutes of their favorite show together. Remember that people closest to the dying person are going to have all kinds of emotions coming up. They could be stressed and exhausted. They might be snappy. Brush it off and offer a hug. Don't judge and try your best to not take it personally. There are many ways to show up for the people you love, whether it's in person or by sending something. Consider your special gifts when offering support. Remember showing up in whatever way is comfortable for you is helpful at all stages. Whether it's before, during, or after the loved one passes, Grief is a long road. Finally, 
Small gestures go a long way and are just as meaningful as big ones. Watch for a list of ideas to be posted to our website at lightattheendpod.com. And I would also love for you to email me with your ideas so that I could add them to the list. That's at Jamie, J-A-M as in mom, I, at lightattheendpod.com. If you know someone who would benefit from this information, please share this episode with them. And if you appreciate what we are doing, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you post this to Instagram, please tag me. Thank you for listening and sharing your time with us. Take good care.